Welcome to Returns in Medicine today. This is John Murphy. It's my pleasure to welcome to this podcast Dr. Michelle Plachesco, who is at Carnegie Mellon University. Dr. Plachesco, welcome to Regenerative Medicine today. Thank you for having me. So I should say welcome back because uh, we had the pleasure of having you sometime in the, pa- in the past. I'd like perhaps to pick up where we left off in terms of the work that's transpired in the interim. Can you give us a brief introduction to your studies? So my research mainly focuses on trying to regenerate the cornea endothelium, which is the back layer of the cornea that's responsible for keeping that area clear and the proper clarity of your cornea. And when I last was speaking to you, we had just worked on trying to increase the expansion of these cells in vitro for therapeutic applications. And since then, we've made progress in engineering basement membranes to culture these cells on to make a full intact endothelium that could be transplanted using current techniques. And since then, we've moved on a little bit to engineering uh, very small, what we call micromonolayers, that can be injected into the anterior chamber as a sort of an alternative to a full transplant procedure. Let's step back for a moment and try to define the magnitude of the problem. How many people are affected? by the type of condition you're trying to correct? So it's estimated that there's about 10 million people that are suffering from either uni or bilateral corneal blindness. So it's a huge problem in the United States. There's about 100,000 corneas donated per year, but that doesn't come close to covering the amount of people that need a cornea transplant. Um, and it's a huge problem in the rest of the world where there are very few donor corneas available. So with the procedure you're working toward, basically you would inject stem cells to uh, correct the problem, is that correct? What we've developed is using our surface-initiated assembly technique, which Adam Feinberg explained in our last podcast. We're able to pattern these very thin, about 5 nanometer thin squares of extracellular matrix onto a substrate, and then we can seed endothelial cells onto those squares, either patient cells or potentially someday, that are differentiated from stem cells. And they form little, like, islands of monolayers on these squares. And then we can thermally release those. The ECM wraps around the cells and forms sort of a protective shell. And we're able to collect those and inject them. And right now we're testing to see if those will integrate into existing endotheliums in animal models. So the issue is that the cornea gets cloudy, and uh, this is a way to correct the cloudiness. Yes. So the endothelium, it's responsible for maintaining the correct hydration level of the cornea. And so when there's damage to these cells, it lets in too much fluid and the cornea swells, which causes that refraction of the light. So you need to replace these cells in order to maintain that proper hydration level. So it sounds very promising. What's the status of these studies in terms of relative to when it might be available for a clinical trial? For both the full engineered endothelium and these injected micromonolayers. We are currently in early testing, so it would still be a while until it would be something that would be clinically available, but we're really excited about the results we've seen so far that are promising, and we're hoping that we can get there as quickly and as safely as possible. That's very encouraging. This, I presume, would be an outpatient procedure? Yes. 
that's the goal, so that it's something that's less invasive, that you wouldn't have to stay overnight in the hospital, just a quick procedure with a little bit of downtime in the uh, recovery room before you would have to go home. So um, I perceive that this technique might be used for other types of tissue. Is that correct? The idea that we've had is to try and make these microvonilators with different cell types that could be used to repair different tissues. Cell injection therapy is something that's becoming really popular in the literature and even some early clinical studies to see if the cells can integrate and repair these damaged tissues. But what we're seeing is a lot of cell death or the cells aren't getting to the right target tissue. And so what we're hoping is that this extracellular matrix shell that we've put on these cells and the fact that they're in more of a micromonolayer instead of a single cell suspension will help them integrate better into these damaged tissues. So we started with the endothelium because it's kind of an ideal situation. It's a single layer of cells. It's easy to inject to that area, and it's an area we were already strongly researching. So our idea is to then take this technology and apply it to these other tissues, maybe liver or heart, those kinds of areas, and see if we can get the same type of integration and maybe restoration of function. One of the areas that comes to mind is orthopedic applications. Have you considered that? It's not something we've thought of yet, but that's definitely a possibility. We've mainly looked into the heart and liver because with heart, we do a lot of cardiac tissue engineering in the lab here, and we do have techniques to differentiate stem cells into cardiac cells. And the liver, the idea there is that you don't need a full liver transplant often to recover function, so it might be a good target organ for something like this. So I'm familiar with how other extracellular matrix is prepared, typically by either decellularizing some type of tissue to get a scaffold or some type of a polymer approach. How are you forming this extracellular matrix that you're using? So we use surface-initiated assembly. So we take pure extracellular matrix proteins that you can buy. We use collagen-4, laminin. We've used fibronectin, sort of anything that you can purchase. And we use microcontact printing to adsorb that protein onto a PDMS stamp with your desired features. So in our case, these are usually squares. About 200 microns by 200 microns are the best shape for our applications. So you adsorb that onto the PDMS stamp dry that and then transfer it to a layer of PIPAM or polyanisopropyl acrylamide. It's a thermoresponsive polymer. So you sort of stamp that just like you would an ink stamp onto a piece of paper or something like that, just in contact. And then when you remove the PDMS stamp, it transfers this thin layer that's about 5 to 10 nanometers in thickness of pure assembled extracellular matrix onto your substrate. Very interesting approach. So uh, I understand that you recently published some work on full basement membranes. Can you share us a little bit of uh, that activity? Sure. So this was the first step after getting expansion of the cells. We created a sort of a thin corneal mimic basement membrane structure to engineer a full endothelial layer. So to do that, we took a compressed collagen-1 gel and compressed that down from about 1 millimeter down to 10 microns in thickness to imitate a very thin portion of the cornea. And then we use the surface-initiated assembly technique I just mentioned to fabricate one centimeter by one centimeter full squares of collagen-4 and laminin-assembled ECM. And we transfer that using a gelatin carrier onto the collagen-1 gel. And so when the gelatin melts, it transfers that sheet, 
And what we're left with is the thin layer of collagen one. And on top of that is that very thin mat of extracellular matrix. And what that looks like is a mimic of the grafts that they use for DMEC and DPEC procedures, which are partial cornea transplants. And what we found is when we cultured endothelial cells on these engineered basement membranes, we saw an increase in the cell density compared to our controls, which were just the compressed collagen one gels, which is what a lot of people in other labs are using to engineer their endotheliums. It's very promising that we can see this increase in density, which is one of the most important factors in whether or not an endothelium is functional. So these two techniques, which one is most promising? I think at this point they are applicable for different situations. So the full endothelium would be more applicable for people that have a burn injury or a disease where the entire endothelium must be removed. And the injection would be more for people that are have failure due to a low cell density where we just need to increase the amount of cells that are there. I think the biggest hurdle that we have for both techniques is a lack of cells that we're able to use for these applications at the moment. A lot of our studies have been done with bovine cells because with the shortage of human cornea donors, there's also a shortage of cells, not just for research, but for any of these applications. So there's plenty of groups working on trying to differentiate stem cells into these endothelial cells, and until there's a very robust, repeatable method, I think all of these therapies are going to be held back a little bit until those procedures are ready to go. So IPS cells are not a candidate at this point? They might be. There are some groups working on getting the correct protocols to differentiate those. I don't know if in their undifferentiated form they would work or not. That's something that we would actually have to test, which is actually a great idea. So uh, I believe you and your colleague, Dr. Feinberg, have a website that highlights some of this work. Can you give us the URL for our listeners, please? Yes, that's www.regenerativebiomaterials.com. So, Dr. Pachesco, I thank you for joining us today by telephone and sharing this innovative work. We'd like to thank the McGowan Institute for Regenerative Medicine that sponsors this podcast series. And until we meet again, thank you for listening.